We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. First pick in the 1991 NBA draft, the Charlotte Hornets select Larry Johnson from University I'm not supposed to be here, man. A lot of people from where I'm from, so don't, don't make me. All right, good morning, everyone. Welcome to another live edition of Buzz Beat, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. This is Richie, and I hope everyone is doing well here. We have a handful of people here in Twitter spaces. We're just going to have like a roundtable conversation about the Hornets 28 games into the season. I'm joined by Brian. I'm joined by Spencer this morning. How's it going, guys? Everyone awake? Yeah, so, somewhat, somewhat. Uh, <laughs> caught some late night hoops up in Virginia Beach last night. I'm up here with my wife's family, so I went to see VCU and ODU. If you're a college hoops fan, you probably know something about those programs. Uh, but if not, BG, really, really fun rivalry. I think VCU Richmond like steals most of the mid major rivalry buzz in in Definitely. Virginia. But ODU, Definitely. beautiful facility. Really good fan base uh, under the rate, not having a great season. Um, not, not a real good team this year, but that's, that's a, that's a good basketball school to follow. If you're, if you're into mid-major hoops, R- Richmond is a, just like a good, in general, it's like a good East coast basketball city that I yeah, think sometimes gets, gets lost in the shuffle a little bit between, cause it's, be, it's like between tobacco road and DC, you know, but it is right. a great basketball city. Um, next weekend, NC state or athlete meets next Friday. Yeah, NC State from Charlotte plays Richmond. Yeah, down in Charlotte, which is cool. Um, and yeah, Richmond. Richmond's a pretty damn good program too, just like in general. But yeah, VCU they can't really shoot. They can't really shoot this year. But that is one of like the best. Of, like once again, um, one of the best defensive teams uh, in the country. All right, so here's what we're gonna do. Instead of doing a post game recap here on Twitter Spaces like we have been in the past, we've just put together a few topical questions and general talking points about these 15 and 13 Charlotte Hornets. And as always, if there are any speaker requests, we should have time to get to a couple uh, towards the end. So let's first start out with these past four games where the Hornets went two and two. They played all of those games without LaMelo Ball, Rozier, Plumlee, and McDaniels. Three of those games without Ish Smith. And then most recently in the Sacramento game, they played it without P.J. Washington. 
So Hornets fans had the opportunity to see a little bit more of JT Thor, Book Knight, a little bit of Kai as well. So when we focus on this past week, there's probably several players or several themes that we can talk about. But I do want to I do want to mention Cody Martin in his role in this past four games and just recently, but also just throughout the whole course of the season. I think a lot of you guys are going to think about, okay, Book Knight and JT Thor, but we can't forget how good Cody Martin has been. And up until this point, his three-point shot has been falling at a 50% clip, which clearly is not a sustainable piece that's going to last the course of the season. But he did shoot 50% in these last four games, eight of 16 from behind the arc. But one thing I do want to mention about Cody Martin is his ability to get to the rim off the dribble. I think that's one thing that other people should start taking a note of, and it's not just the three-point shot. In the past four games, I took a note of this this morning before we hopped on here, he's 14 of 19 within four feet, which is a great improvement to his season average. And then just as importantly, or more importantly, seven of those makes, seven of those 14 makes at the rim were unassisted. So even though he's still like a low usage type of guy, he is finding ways to drive, score off Euro steps, up and unders. And I think he's gaining that confidence to take it off the bounce. And last thing I'll mention, this team is no longer playing four on five on offense. And, And that's huge for a player, especially a player that's not a center, because Cody Martin at times, I feel like last year, you just couldn't play him, even though he was an impact player on the defensive side of the court with his deflections, his steals, his charges and all that stuff. So now that he's more of a factor on both ends of the court, he, he's playing more often. He's kind of grown into his role. But Spencer, if you had to choose something that stood out to you in these in this weird week that the Hornets have been playing here, what would that be? Would it be a specific player like Cody Martin or anything else that you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we could <clears throat> talk about a lot of different guys that have yeah. stepped up, obviously. But I, I just think it's like the offense being able to stay afloat. I mean, so in, this, mm-hmm. in these past four games, you know, the Hornets are still third in the league and offensive efficiency, a little north of 1.2 points per possession, which just like that's the overarching theme, I think, of the season and, and really James Borrego's time in Charlotte as a coach so far. It's like this isn't the offensive. It's a system, right? It's almost to the point where it really is plug and play. Um, obviously, they like to play small and that opens the floor and that allows you to you know, really stretch your opponent defensively. But I just thought like when all these – you know, health and safety protocol uh, injuries, you know, missing time, if you will, with Lamelo and all these starters. I just thought like, okay, the defense is going to take a nosedive and the offense is going to be like, you know, 20 to 25th, you know, in, in these next X amount or whatever games. And that's just not the case. And so obviously Cody Martin, you know, has really stepped up. I mean, we can talk about James Book night um, and certainly the last game he played. Uh, but I, I just like, everyone on this team understands the offensive system and what's required of it so vividly that um, I I think that's just credit to Borrego and his staff. Like Charlotte, Charlotte knows who they are as much as any team in the NBA right now. I don't think that's hyperbole. Uh, And that's that credits how they've been able to stay afloat through all these injuries. Yeah. We've talked about it uh, here and then uh, on this podcast or on in Twitter spaces, but just, um, like the, the buy-in into the system, to the culture. I think one of the things that I do like about it is that it can, it morphs slightly. It's like the offensive repertoire isn't the same 
every game. And how, how, how could it be if you're, if you're down seven freaking guys, um, including your like all world, you know, 20 year old point guard that the offense flows through a lot of the time when he's out there. But I feel like the last couple of these last four games, they've really morphed into like a power pick and roll team in the middle of the court. These lot of horn sets, elbow flip, and just being like, we're going to play through Kelly miles bridges, Gordon Hayward, obviously Cody Martin has had some moments as a driver um, as well, but just like what those guys are doing in the PJ certainly, but unfortunately he couldn't play in the Sacramento game. Um, I think PJ's impact has been tremendous when he's been able to be on the court this season. Um, but just those guys in the middle, um, and how they're playing off one another, making quick decisions and quick little flips or exchanges or handoffs. And then just Miles Bridges, man, getting downhill. Last four games of this this little stretch that we're highlighting, Bridges, uh, 17.5 drives per game. Um, he's shooting 62% on those drives and also getting to the line uh, with a good bit of frequency. According to the NBA stats page, last four games, Bridges, almost 12 and a half points per game off of um, drives. Uh, those numbers are like way up from his season averages. And we already know miles is a pretty solid rim pressure guy, but he's gone. He's, you know, basically, uh, you know, had his drives per game. Now, granted, he's playing a lot of minutes right now too. He's over, he's almost mm-hmm. playing 42 minutes a game. So that's part of it. Um, but if you're looking at it just on a per game basis, um, you know, the drives per game are, you know, up, above 50% you know, from, from where they have been the whole season. That's not the best metric to, to use that, to use at this, but it just highlights the point of like miles has just been a tank getting downhill. Um, I don't think he goes through any game like without making any mistakes as a decision maker, but I think his decision making is pretty damn good for the most part. And I just think his, like his ascent, uh, what he's done is just absolutely tremendous. I would say too, Miles, you know, I, I think that the absence of LaMelo and these starters in some ways have, or in a lot of ways, have, have been a really good thing for him because I do think he reached it. Yeah. He kind of plateaued for a few weeks, certainly from a, a, a shot selection standpoint, a lot more mid-rangers. So him getting back downhill to the rim as often as possible, you know, getting the defender off balance, using that spin move, which is – yeah. One of the most unstoppable ways any player in this league gets to the rim. Like, I think it's just been a good thing for him to feel that on his shoulders again. Yeah, um, and getting yeah. downhill has been great. Agreed. Like, what's it like when I'm the A one guy on 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 offense? You know, right? Like, right. It's, it's, so it's cool to see him sort of like step into that role. And yeah, you you mentioned it. Like, it's with him. It's not just it's not just the the vertical athleticism of which is tremendous. It's not just the strength of which we've long talked about that being sort of like an underrated trait of bridges, but he's also got little tricks in the final third of the court, the Euro steps, the pro hop, the spin move finish with either hand. Like he's just got, he's got a, I know the numbers haven't always been there this season, but his creativity in sort of like the, if you were adjusting for the degree of difficulty, I think he's like a pretty impressive finisher, even on like non dunk attempts, Mm-hmm. Um, around around the basket. And then the last thing I would like to just mention real quickly would be, or, or two things real quickly. One, JT Thor just keeping his head above water defensively. And I know the shot hasn't like gone down, but man, a spot up three looks good. And he's finding other little ways to contribute, crashing the offensive glass, um, you know, kickouts, that type of stuff. Real, real simple stuff. But JT Thor at, at 19 years old, you know, he looks like a... <laughs> I just like assuming he continues to like progress at this level defensively. 
and you know, the three point shot does eventually, you know, get to it. It looks good. So like, I'm not worried about, it. I buy JT Hoare as a shooter. It's just like, I think it's, it's totally reasonable to say that in some, at some point in time, you know, during his rookie contract, JT Thor is a guy that could be a, someone that plays in the postseason for you, right? Like wouldn't be out of place because he can guard so many positions. His length is impactful defensively. He hustles, he can shoot that even if he didn't figure out anything else offensively, other than like spot up and hit the offensive glass, it's like, that's still a player you, you can use. And I think it's a real Testament to JT and to Charlotte's staff, because I get the feeling we were texting about this the other day. Like, I just think it's, he's ahead of schedule right now. I, I really like JT as a prospect, but you know, if you draft JT Thor, and I mean, the fact that they got him in the second round is, is a really nice bit of business for them. But like, even if you draft JT Thor at 19, as opposed to 37, um, you know, you're still thinking like, Hey, it's going to be, it's going to be a year, right? Like, you know, he'll travel with the team. He'll play a lot in Greensboro, you know, he'll put on some weight. He'll get in used to the system, but it's like, he, he looks pretty comfortable and playable in some, in some tight games against some good, you know, good, good opponents like the Sixers. So I was, I was very like impressed with JT, but not completely surprised either. Cause I thought he played well out in Vegas for summer league. I think he'd been playing pretty well for Greensboro in the G. So yeah, all around, just like very, uh, like very impressed with JT um, as a guy that's really come in the last couple of games, and I think made give it like help them be competitive mm-hmm. and also win some of these games too. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, let's take a step back and look at this team as we are a third of the way through the season. So not strictly this four game stretch here, but let's look at the good, the bad, the in between, uh, any surprising thoughts that we have with this team. Uh, because at this point, it feels like, you know, we know what we have with this team. Uh, not a lot is going to change depending on if they add more players at the at the deadline or anything like that. But they are who they are type of thing. And I think the one thing that's been a little bit, not a little bit, but a lot of bit disappointing this year has been the defense. And you look at the personnel on this team 
Spencer and Brian, and you would think that they would have the personnel to defend with some of their like rangy wings and forwards like Ubre and Miles and PJ, maybe Rozier to a certain extent. But when you look at them, sure, physically, um, they have what it looks like to be a good defensive team. But it's been a constant issue with this team in terms of containing the ball on that initial action. And you combine the lack of perimeter resistance with the lack of rim protection. And it's just not a good combination with this team. And I'm not sure how they fix it because I think JB has tried almost anything and everything to try to fix it. I will say that there is points in games where they force turnovers, they cause havoc, they get out in transition, but those are just kind of few and far between. It's, it's less consistent. I don't know if it's like one of those things where the team knows they're good in transition and they, they kind of get antsy and they want to gamble and they want to leak up out the court. But I think there's more issues than just that. But I don't know. I don't know what it is with this defense, but they are a bottom three team on the defensive side of the court. When you look at a lot of these different types of categories, do you guys think that there's any way that this defense gets up to like 2021 or do you think it's going to be 25 downwards? Yeah. I mean, probably most likely, you know, in that 25 to 30 range. Um, but I think it's contingent obviously on like what this team tries to add at the deadline. You know, I, I think that a miles Turner, yeah, it could make this a pretty dynamic defense almost overnight. Um, you know, obviously depending on who's going out the door in, in a trade like that, but he would cover up so many issues at the rim for Charlotte right now. And and that's not their only issue defensively. Like if you look at the shot profile of what they're giving up, it's pretty much bad across the board. Um, and we could talk about why that is, but it all starts with the fact that Charlotte, I think they've gotten better at keeping the ball in front at playing gap defense and be more attuned to helping each other in, in that way. Um, from stopping the ball from point A on the perimeter, but they they just have they can't do anything at the rim. Um, and we're not talking about like when they're going up against Joel and Beat or Jonas Valanciunas <laughs> or somebody like that. Like this team has nothing; they, they have almost zero resistance at the rim on any kind of consistent basis. So when that is that uh, glaring of an issue, your defense is going to stink. Um, it, it's just not going to be very good. But if they're able to add somebody that can really come in and help cover up um, some of the sins when the ball gets into the paint. I think there are enough athletes surrounding this theoretical player that could, could get shot into transition more could help them keep the ball in front more because now they don't have to be as aggressive on the perimeter because they got somebody behind them that they can trust. So I do think they're a step. I guess I'm saying, yeah, it's probably likely 25 to 30, but I don't think they're that far away from being a league average defense with adding one piece. And, and now, now what's the trade off, right? Like, but yeah. offense is what drives the engine here. So, so what is getting to league, league average defensively really doing for you when you have the second best offense in the league, right? So that's really the question. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, it, it, for me, it always just comes down to personnel. And the most obvious spot is, the, I think, the center spot, which Spencer just got done highlighting. Um, you know, they, they, in lieu of, like, signing someone like Rashawn Holmes in the offseason, they sort of picked up Plumlee as a, a stopgap. And I think it, I mean, that transaction, I think, was pretty good for, for Charlotte just because it also allowed them to draft JT Thor. Um who looks like a guy that could really be a piece going forward for them, which is exciting. 
But uh, like David, certainly you'd like to get a center that would allow you to just guard, pick and roll more conventionally. Um, now, of course, related to that is you need to have, you know, guards and perimeter players that can, can be dynamic and be forceful at the point of attack, right? Like playing drop coverage is not just the, the center dropping into the paint, right? Like there's, there's more to it than that. Um, and with the mellow Rosier backcourt, like, eh, you know, we'll see about that going forward. But um, yeah, like them having a, a, a five that can protect the paint and just allow them to guard like, Hey, here's what we're doing in pick and roll. And yeah, we, you know, we're going to, we're going to figure some stuff out, rotating around and helping or whatever, but like we're playing to the level and then dropping or we're dropping and we're mixing the, the drop point or whatever it is. But like, even in the Sacramento game, you saw this and this has happened countless times the last two seasons. I remember us talking about this on like, you know, last April at the end of last season, but just like Charlotte getting caught in between what they want to do with different schemes. Like, oh, are we switching on this? Are we, are we trapping? Like, what are, what are we doing here? And just like, I thought Sacramento got a couple good looks at the rim, just simply off the Hornets being like, we don't know what we're doing. Like, this is an early ball screen and just like two of us are on the ball and two of us aren't supposed to be here. And now someone's wide open on the dive for a layup. I think long-term, um, and, and I, and look, I like what PJ has done defensively this season um, as a switch defender, as like a, a team defender. I think PJ has been pretty good, but you know, he's also not seven feet tall. Um, but I think long-term or like, you know, longer term than like this current roster um, and sort of like where the Hornets could hopefully be in the next couple of years. I think it's going to be imperative to think about the small forward position beyond Hayward and like how you can upgrade that defensively. Like if you're married to the LaMelo Rozier backcourt and like certainly the LaMelo aspect about that double thumbs up Rozier very good off, you know, good offensive player um, has his issues defensively, you know, makes a lot of mistakes on that end of the court. Can't really stay in front of the ball. Um, so it's like, but if that's your backcourt, then you've got to find another way to get more defense on the court at your perimeter spot. And like, you know, is that on the rise that Cody Martin? Is that Jalen McDaniels? Maybe. Um, but uh you know, it's, you're going to have to find a way to upgrade. That's got to be like the three going forward. I think for Charlotte is going to have to be a defensive plus. Yeah. Um, now there's no like roadmap to that right now because you have Gordon Hayward and he signed for two and a half more seasons and Gordon's a good player, but not great. Um, certainly like being in space defensively. I think some, I think his like post defense is okay. Cause he's pretty big and strong, but so, yeah, I just think those are like the two spots you go like if you're like right now, I think you can be pretty confident that Charlotte is like certainly married to LaMelo, Rozier to an extent and Bridges. Right. So you've got your like one, two and four. If you want to label miles that he plays literally every position for this team, though. So it's like, why put a number on this guy, I guess. But, you know, then you got to think about how you want to piece in the three and five and then the other rotation guys around that. It seems like the how you're going to have to do this. So, yeah, I just think beyond just even this season, you're going to have to find ways to upgrade defensively at those positions. And all of a sudden, I think if you had a center that could close down the paint, Bridges, I think, has made strides defensively, both as a team defender and guarding the basketball. And then if you have LaMelo as your like your turnover machine engine atop the defense, you know, even with his own issues, I just think all of a sudden so you're like, oh, OK, I could I could get, like see like a roadmap to a a defense that's pretty good yeah. and like can still be, can still be a top 10 offense or, or whatever. 
Yeah. I always go back and forth in terms of like personnel, how much of it is like the physical attributes versus like the kind of mental lock-in on defensive side, because a lot of people say that defense is effort. And I would agree for the most part. So that's why I'm always confused when I look at some of these players like Ubre and Miles and uh, PJ. And you would think for the most part, this team would be a little bit better on that end of the court. Before we get to like the trade rumors, trade talk, I do want to go positive. Uh, Spencer, give me something positive from this season that you have noted over the first uh, 28 games of the season. Uh, I, I mean, I just think player development, like as just a, a starting theme, um, Lamello, Bridges, PJs look good, you know, when we've seen him out there. Thor, Book Knight, you know, Kai Jones. Now, now we've seen very little of all three of them, but all three of them have had some really, really, really bright moments. So I just think player development as an overarching theme has been really – Cody Martin, I should mention, you know, has been really, really positive. I mean, that's what I texted you guys the other day. I'm, I'm on a walk, and I'm just, like, trying to – trying in my mind to think four or five years down the road, and I'm just like – Man, this is super promising what we're seeing yeah. from guys right now. It, like because yeah. you look at the contracts, you look at the cap sheet. It, there's a lot of there's some veterans on this team. Uh, you know, there's some Kelly Oubre's kind of mid vets, um, but there's a lot of young guys. And you're just like, well, how sustainable is this? If Charlotte could win 45 games this season uh, and then 50 next year, like how sustainable is this? Yeah. And then you look at the player development. And you're like, well, why can't this keep up? And if that's yeah. the case, then this is going to be a, a franchise under James Brigo's leadership that I think has a chance to be around for the next 10 years or so, you know, the, um, one of the other, I, all great points. And I think you've seen to varying degrees, everybody make, you know, some sort of stride above. I mean, someone like Rozier is what he is and like, but you're paying him to do that. Same with Hayward. Those guys are veterans, but like all the young guys, all the guys that are on their rookie contracts, it's like, yeah, who did, who didn't get better from last season or who didn't get better from summer league. It's pretty impressive. But one of the other things I would like to mention is um, not Kelly Oubre specifically, but like the, the avatar that he's serving for is something that I think we need to kind of consider going mm-hmm. forward. Um, you know, obviously Kelly's had some big scoring games recently and he's been a top five player in the league in terms of spot of efficiency. As of last week, he was number two in the NBA. Um, you know, he makes <laughs> goddamn Kelly, man. He makes like two or three plays a game where you were just like, what are you thinking? Like, what are you thinking? <laughs> um, but, sure. it, it, but I think ultimately in a lot of different ways you can look at, and I think he's been disappointing to an extent defensively too, but just given what he's been doing, playing this role as like the wing gunner that gets to race around and hit spot up threes, but also gets, a couple of plays run per game from, for him too, right? And with Rozier down, they give some of the movement looks to Kelly Oubre. They just flip him around and make it like he's coming off to his left hand. But um, I kind of wonder, and I know Oubre was like, you know, you know, one of the last you know name free agents to sign, and he's on a he's on this great contract, which is good for Charlotte. But just like for future free agents to see, like, hey, if I come and play with Lamelo in this system and in, you know, in bridges, cause he's a part of it now too. Like I can come in and, and like put up numbers, right? Like, like there, now all of a sudden you have a, you have a case with Kelly Bray where you can say, look, this guy, look what he was doing for six years before he got here. Look what he did when he got here being a part of this. Like, don't you want to come play for us? You know, I've just said this for a while, like on, and I think this can work with like, veteran guys that are rounding out your roster and getting a top six or seven rotation spot. But I don't see why you couldn't eventually take that same argument 
to if you're trying to find the, like the third star to go with LaMelo and Bridges at some point, why you couldn't use that same exact argument? Like, look, man, we play fun. We're going to score. It, 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 you're going to be more efficient than you've ever been in your entire career. And like, it's never been easier. Just run, just run with this guy. Number two, like he'll take you there. Um, and if Charlotte was ever going to sign like a, you know, a free agent that was really going to, you know, maybe be the thing that took them up to a 50 win team or something like that. Like it's, the, you know, I think you can, I think you can, I think Ubre serves as like a, a case study and like, look, you come in, you come in our system, you can pick it up quickly. And like, we're going to make you a better offensive player. And like, even if you're a veteran on just on a get, looking for a get right contract, so you can get back into free agency, get paid again, come play for us. Or if you're looking for like the next big piece, maybe to put with these guys, again, you can use the same sort of like uh, selling point. So I would just say Ubre sort of serving as like, what can happen if you come in uh, to this team, even if you're it's like more of a secondary player, you know, you can really put up numbers and I think sort of like boost your stock to an extent as a player. Thing that I'll mention before we get to the trade talk here, because I know a lot of people like talking about the trade machine with Miles Turner and stuff like that. I do want to mention Gordon Hayward just real quick. Uh, I think there have been games this year where his impact hasn't been uh, noted correctly or it's been overlooked in certain ways. I know that his numbers this year are a little bit down compared to last year, but he still offers a ton of scoring versatility. They use him as a screener. They use him in post-ups and early offense. And we talk about games slowing down when it comes to the playoffs, which the Hornets seem to be headed towards this year. And having a player like him that has those type of skills uh, to score in a variety of ways, uh, I think that's going to be a big question mark for this team. Like, who are they going to look towards when things do slow down? And I think he's definitely a guy that can perform when it matters the most at the end of game. So I know that I probably stand for Gordon Hayward a little bit too much on this podcast, but I do think that he's been overlooked. Let's finish this podcast off with trade rumors, whether that's Miles Turner or whether that's somebody else. And as we always focus on this, maybe if you have a fake trade or two, Spencer or Brian, I don't know if you got time to work that NBA trade machine before we hopped on here, but I'm actually coming around to Miles Turner on this team in terms of the fit here. I know we've talked about in the past where we haven't been the highest on him, but I think the lack of defense for Charlotte just makes his acquisition a little bit more intriguing. We talk about his pick and pop ability. We talk about his career high shooting from behind the arc um, and just taking the right shots this year, which is all true, but it comes down to, to finding that right deal that makes sense. And this is kind of where I always struggle with like the NBA trade machine, trying to figure out what makes sense for Miles Turner. And so I do have a proposed trade I want to throw out to you guys because I think a lot of Hornets fans will throw around these trades, but they don't actually work when you look at the trade mechanics. So you tell me what you guys think of this. So for, first off, I don't think the Hornets are trading Hayward or Rozier. Hayward for that trade kicker, Rozier, he was just recently signed uh, for what, five years, I believe. So I think they view highly of him. So that that would make Ubre like the potential like highest outgoing salary that we're looking at. And I actually don't think they're going to trade Ubre either. So Miles Turner goes to the Hornets making 17 and a half million uh, for this year and next. So I've I've got to add up these salaries here. So Mason Plumley, <laughs> PJ Washington, I know what Brian thinking about this. Jalen McDaniels, and that is only strictly because if I didn't add McDaniels, PJ Washington and Plumley alone are not enough to get it done. And then some kind of protection on a first round pick. Now, see what's 
what's the issue with Charlotte? They don't have a first round pick next year, right? Depends, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. It, we'll we'll see. Um, it is their pick is to New York for the Kai Jones trade. Yeah, top um, twenty protected. Oh, 20. So yeah. they they likely do retain that pick. Okay, twenty. Um, okay. Yeah, but but yeah, I mean, I, I don't. It gets tricky when you're negotiating when you're yeah. negotiating trades that are going to have to involve picks. Yeah. You, yeah. Want to, you want me to say that trade again? You, yeah, you, yeah. Say it again. Say it again. Plumley, PJ, Jalen, and some kind of first round pick outgoing for Miles Turner. Is that too much, or, or what are you guys thinking? I think that's around the price for me. That is a lot, right? Because you're also giving up your two centers. So if you, even if you bring Turner, you're like, yeah, he'll take up thirty of your forty eight center minutes per game or whatever. But you know, is Nick Richards ready to play 20 minutes a game for you? Um, you know, I don't know. He's definitely ready to play five minutes for you at the start of the game yep. and then get stubbed out and never play anymore. But um, I think that kind of the, the, that framework of like good young player in PJ, who, by the way, would I think would fit very nicely with Sabonis. I think that's a nice four or five. I think they complement one another. Uh, because PJ can stretch it and Sponus can then just mash people in the post and PJ is pretty good defensively and can switch and give you a little bit of rim protection. So it's maybe not like a, a dream fit, but I think PJ is a pretty good four actually to put next to uh, Sabonis for whatever that's worth. Um, Jalen McDaniels is a rotation player and like a, a wing, you know, granted he's, uh, I think this is the last year of his rookie deal. Um, and certainly Plumley, you know, it's just a, a salary to have like I think that you know be the, to be the filler in that deal I think that deal works I think both teams would be interested in doing that deal if not like ready to do it you know sometime between now and the you know, early February um look you guys know how I feel about PJ and, yeah you know the the kind and I think even now you're seeing what he can like what he adds to Charlotte's offense as a spacer and I know man Turner's been amazing uh, you know, over 1.2 points per possession on spot ups this season. It's been pretty good as a pick and pop guy, good as a, you know, dunker spot. The one other thing I would say is we've, we've talked plenty of times on this podcast too, about how the, you know, it's going to be hard to fully optimize LaMelo until you take that center spot and you put someone that can really like dive hard and catch a lob. And like, I don't think that's Turner. No. So in a lot of ways, he's a good fit for them defensively and he can still help them space the court, but he's not, you know, he's not Evan Mobley, right? Like he's not this elite, you know, dive guy um, that I still think eventually they're going to need, but you know, just two years left on the deal. So it's like you, you, you could figure it out. I'm coming. Like, I don't, I would, <laughs> I would not do that deal, but I can absolutely understand the rationale behind it. I feel like I'm giving up a little bit too much because I think Jalen and PJ are good young players to varying degrees, but like I see it, I get it. Yeah. I just, it's not my, it's not my cup of tea, I guess is what I'm saying. Especially once I start dangling, you know, attaching first round picks onto that as well. Yeah. I think that's the key here. uh, Richie is because miles, you know, you've only got two years left um, on, on his current deal. Well, really, no, you have a season and a half left, right? Like this was the Kimba debate. Like this is when we Charlotte should have traded Kimba with a year and a half left on his deal. Like you get some value. I think if you're throwing a first round pick that is actually going to be realized as a first round pick at some point for the Pacers, miles Turner has got it. Like you have, you'll have his bird rights. You have to be thinking about this trades in terms of, we don't have him for a year and a half, but we actually have, we fully intend to 
excited to sign him to his next contract. And this is our center for the next six seasons. Right. Yeah. Like, I think that that's the only way you can really as a small market Charlotte, that's probably not entering the tax to optimize their roster. Like you have to intend for this guy to be a long-term fix to justify throwing in a first round pick. But I but, think do, the, but do the Pacers yeah. do it without a first is, I guess is my question. Will they take, no, because I, 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 here's so. why, because this trade, there's not enough sellers in this trade market. Miles Turner, Sabonis, you know, th- there's a few like Jeremy Grant before the injury that we learned about yesterday. Like, there's only a few golden gems, if you will, in this trade market. So that is going to inflate their value. Uh, I think when when you start talking serious terms on trades, and I, I think there's enough teams that need a guy like Miles Turner that somebody's going to throw that in there. You know, like Golden State. I don't think he's a perfect fit there. I think he's more interesting fit than Sabonis in Golden State. But like, yes, that ownership group will throw in what they got to throw in if if it's deemed that they'll outbid Charlotte, right? So Charlotte's going to have to throw a first round pick in. Yeah, yeah, it'll get in, in you know it will it'll cost the owners too in Golden State if they <laughs> if they add yeah. uh, Turner that the tax bill will balloon. Um, I think it's like uh, I think I heard yesterday it's like twenty eight dollars to every dollar they spend <laughs> from here. So every dollar they spend, it, it's actually costing them twenty eight in luxury tax. So hey, hey, man, you still got Steph Curry playing at an MVP level. It may just be worth it, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's cool. yeah. Like Draymond's, like you know, he's it's him and Giannis for Depoy. Like, yeah, they're, the, they're arguably the best team in the league. Yeah, maybe you do just just say f it. Let's cash in on it. In in some yeah. ways, Richie, like to do a a little transition here, like. In some ways, as, as I think about it more, I am more interested in like a, a use of Nurkic expiring contract trade. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like Daniel Tice, I thought at the beginning of the season, I was like, let's keep an eye Same. here. But like, we He's haven't seen so like, We haven't really seen him. So I don't, yeah. I don't, like, I don't understand why Houston well, signed him in the first place. But, um, so sign that, him, that's signed him to a lot of money too. Like, yeah, relatively, right. you know, relatively speaking. Dollars. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not like you're taking nothing back there. I, the, the one thought exercise I've had, and this is just like expiring contract. Let's double down on small ball. He'd fit absolutely perfect. He's not a five. But like if you're just saying Rich Williams. Oh, from OKC. Yeah. Is that what you're going to say? Somewhat of a player. I'm thinking Thaddeus Young. Yeah, like I'm that, thinking. Yeah. I'm thinking like bring Young in here. Just pray to the basketball gods we don't draw Philly in, in the playoffs, right? <laughs> yeah. And then and let's yeah. just play this style, yeah. and and then we'll see in free agency if we can if somehow dump a contract or two, create some cap space, go after a center there, or there's a guy in the draft they like, and maybe start there. Um, you, you could also trade for Turner this offseason if he didn't get. Yeah, exactly. Too, yeah, you know? and, and like you could revisit that potentially and just continue the like the will they won't they with Miles Turner in Charlotte, well, which has been going and, on for and, years and now. To, and to what we were talking about, the Hornets will know whether or not they're keeping their first round draft pick at that point. So that makes the yeah. negotiations a little bit easier. Yep. I don't know. I, I've just, the more I think about like a guy like Thaddeus Young or Kendrick Williams, that's an interesting one. I'm like, let's just double down a small ball, grab an expiring contract. It won't cost us anything. Yeah. And let's yeah. just pray. We don't, we don't draw a team with a bruising center in the first round. And here we go. Yeah. <laughs> like, what, what, but what a, by the way, like what a relief it is to see them play against a team after back-to-back games against Embiid of him, just like wearing the Hornets out with like threes and face-up jumpers and drawing a roughly 752 fouls in two games. Like it was just like, oh man, Tristan Thompson, hello. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I missed, I missed, I missed the like the like average center that never touches the ball on the block. Like, wow, what a what a relief it is to see you here. 
the most maddening part about Embiid too is that like he doesn't he's not he's so he's such a large huge human that can do whatever yeah. he wants in in the paint but he doesn't really go down there that much it's just no. like face from the mid-range and knock it right over you so it's like he's not even optimizing the most dangerous part of his game I, I thought charlotte did a pretty good job sort of like getting him off of his spots a little bit and like forcing him to take 17 foot face-up shots it's just like he also looks like Embiid looks like he could. I mean, I, I I never want him to fall apart. I want him to continue to play and be awesome for a decade. But like, God, how does that guy like stay together? Like every time they sub out, he's grabbing some body part. You know what I mean? And it's like <laughs> that. That's also why, like, if, you know, if if I were Philly's front office, I would wow, I would feel the heat about like, wow, we're really just like not going to do anything with Simmons this year, huh? Like this guy may not be like walking two years from now. But we're willing to like just completely punt on on this season, um, and it's also why, if I were a, a Sixers fan, why I would be uh, probably pretty frustrated, among other things. But um, yeah, I just yeah, I would I, I would like another small ball center option. I think they're I think they have enough guys already to get it done. But one other guy and someone like Thad Young, I know he's not had a great season for the Spurs, but. I, he was, he's been awesome the last couple of years. He fits a, a piece, a role for them, like a short role guy. would like to put that with LaMelo. That would be kind of cool. Veteran presence, playoff tested, et cetera. You mentioned Christian Wood. I mean, I don't think he's like a, actually, like, I don't think Houston's going to move him. And I don't think he's your, like, you know, the guy that's going to like solve the defense, like Turner maybe would, but just like what an offensive talent it would be to put with, put that guy with, you know, some of Charlotte's yeah. other pieces, if you could actually work a trade. Um, and I, and I, I with you too, like the, the Nurkic type of trade of like more of the, the bargain bin variety is something that like, I have no issues with I like, cause even if you trade for Turner, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe he helps get you in the playoffs and get you to the second round. Uh, you know, maybe the but, last thing, yeah. sorry, the last thing I wanted to mention Richie, cause I know we got to wrap is, but yeah. there's two ways to think, well, there's three ways to think of it. Miles Turner, home run trade expiring contract. Let's just, let's just try to add a piece, whatever. And then, you know, a Nurkic or Ivaka Zubac, or, I mean, there, there's a few names around the league you can look at and say, is, is there a multiplayer deal where we can upgrade our roster at the center position and, and, and get off some long-term money via Gordon Hayward or Terry Rozier? That's the third mm-hmm kind of machination of, of a trade way to think about it. And, and, and then I think you bring a lot of scenarios into play yeah. um, at that point. So that, that's, an, I think that the closer we get to the trade deadline, we'll see with Hayward and Rosier, how they play approaching that time. But can you throw one of those guys in, get off some long-term money, create a little bit more flexibility, a way to think about it, a trade like that makes more sense for a small market like Charlotte who, you know, I, I don't think the Rosier deal was necessarily bad. It's kind of just what you have to pay a guy like that in a market like this. But can you can you improve the roster at that one position and also get off some long-term money? That's another way to think about it. Yeah, I like the suggestion of Kenrich Williams, Brian. And the, the trade proposal that I just put out with Miles Turner is not something that necessarily I would do, but it's just probably the fairest thing that I've found that, yeah, for sure. that for satisfies... Agree. Indiana, yeah. but also doesn't give up too, too much on the Hornets end. So totally agree. Totally agree. Because that, that deal doesn't include, you know, Thor or book Knight. If you, if you, if you really like those guys as prospects, yeah. obviously miles bridge is untouchable now, but yeah, I mean, like, I think that's just the one you laid out. I think that's the cost of doing business. If you want to trade for a player, the caliber of, of miles Turner with that much you know time left on his contract. 
All right. We got to wrap up here on Twitter spaces. Thanks for all of you that joined. Uh, no speaker requests, but I guess I'll just chalk that up to be it early in the morning. Um, if you guys join late, the full podcast will be out tomorrow morning. The Hornets actually don't play another home game until after Christmas, which is crazy. They go on like six or seven straight games on the road. For Spencer, for Brian, I'm Richie. Go Hornets. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.